Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Imagine the Roman Colosseum, prodigious in scale, awesome in majesty, breathtaking to behold. But imagine this behemoth empty. Two gladiators engaging in a soundless bowl, with the clanging of steel on steel, the only evidence of a great struggle being fought. And so you can now imagine the battle being waged on the shores of the Three Rivers. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It is August 23rd, 2020. This is Tom coming to you from Sawdust Studios in the Washington, D.C. Outpost as the furnace fires up, creating more annoying ambient noise. Nick joins us from the Houston Outpost. Post. Post. That's Scandinavian. That's right. And that's the Scandinavian-made furnace back there, which lets you guys... Uh, get a little peek at the pirate radio we're working with right here. Before we get into the podcast, I'd like to give a quick shout out and a quick thank you to our partners at betonline.ag. There is no shortage of action going on with our partners over at betonline.ag. NBA playoffs is well on its way. The Pirates are sort of playing baseball, and other people are too. And as we know, the aforementioned Coliseum, that is Heinz Field, is filled up with some of the greatest football players mankind has to offer. And soon, they're going to be playing in games that matter. So if you want the best odds and the best lines for the upcoming games and matches, hit up that betonline.ag. They also have hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. Betonline.ag, your online wagering experts. Breaking news from the NFL. Sunday morning, the NFL released a statement indicating that several positive tests from each of the clubs is uh, being processed at the same laboratory. And there seems to be a lot of false positives. For those of you who didn't have to go through science, that means it says they're sick and they're not. That's right. And that's apparently the case with the Steelers, with six guys testing positive, which was sullying the sterling Steelers record in terms of the COVID performance here. And uh, this morning the news came out. Six guys got held out from practice, but needlessly so. Um, well, not needless, because this was the, uh, that's the proper 
the proper path to take, but it is a relief to find out that actually those tests were false positives. So I think Matt Stafford or Gardner, Min- Gardner Minshew or somebody else, somebody more prominent in the NFL had had a false positive before, and you'll get these from time to time. So this is just going to be part of the process, but nice to hear that the Steelmen are still doing well with COVID, and uh, so far no major injuries in camp. Kevin Doxson, the much-hyped uh, rookie guard, the Raging Cajun. He had a little leg injury or something like that uh, early on, but it turns out that it's not serious. Deontay Johnson missed a day or two with something not serious. So, so far, Steelers' health is doing well. I don't know if this is just every guy's dream in the pre preseason, that your team is aligning itself with the Stars and the Super Bowl is right in the windshield. But, man, all the reports out of training camp just have to make you feel good about the upcoming season for the Stillers. Yeah, the injury thing's the first thing. Of course, that's the main news we want to look at. But the Steelers are famous under Mike Tomlin for having super intense training camps. And I guess they're probably famous for having intense training camps under Cower and Knoll, too. That is one of those things where it is interesting to see a team. There's really not another team like the Steelers that has a, a personality that's endured for multiple decades many decades not just multiple decades but many decades the ravens if you give them another decade or two if if the guy who succeeds harbaugh is uh, equally tough-minded they might be able to get the same type of reputation but there's even other sterling you know i guess the cowboys have kind of a flash to them so they've always had that going on but either way back to the point of training camp people have said that they're shocked when they go visit the steelers training camp regarding how often they hit, and how hard they hit. And hitting only just started, but Mike Tomlin basically said, we're going to get into this more a little bit later, but he says they're not going to apologize for contact, and they are going to make 100% use of the allocated uh, contact days they've been given by the NFL. And so first off, a lot of positive reports coming. Number one, first and foremost, we all know that the season really hangs on the reconstructed three tendons in the right elbow of the greatest athletes ever walk the face of this planet, Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, And he looks phenomenal. The clips coming out. So it's a bummer because we don't get as many clips as we've gotten in past years. It's also a bummer because you and I aren't on the ground, boots on the ground like we were planning to be this year. Hopefully next year they'll be there. But luckily there have been a good deal of clips coming out from uh, training camp. You don't get to see that much, 11-11 action, but you do get to watch Ben throw, and that's big time because for him, we just need to know from a mechanical level, from a look, from a feel level, how's he looking, and he he looks like Ben. He has a slightly tweaked throwing motion similar to what Aaron Rodgers and uh, Tom Brady did throughout their careers. Two other guys with excellent throwing motions who found ways to even uh, sort of take some edge uh, off of that throwing motion so that it'll last. It'll stand the test of time so that when Ben has, you know, terminal CTE and no use of his legs or any other body part, you'll still be able to chuck bombs to Ben Jr. to get him ready for the NFL draft in 2034. It'll be nice. like weekend at Bernie's. They'll still wheel him out there and it'll still be, still be better than Mason. Weekend at Benny's. That's nice. So that's the first thing you want to look at, injuries and Ben. But getting back to the point of training camp being intense, as I ramble tangentially here as I want to do, it's been intense. 
there have been some, there's no brawls. There's no uh, Earl Thomas situations. More on that later. But there's been some scuffles early in camp. And I got to say, love to see it. You want to see this. You see the passion. And the Steelers have an interesting mix of veteran leadership, but a youthful core. Like Juju is one of the leaders on the team. He's been in the league for four years. And the guy's like 23 years old. Right, So I know that T.J. Watt and Zach Banner got into it the other day. Apparently, Zach Banner is establishing himself pretty quickly as maybe having the inside track at that right tackle spot, if nothing else, for his intensity, which is wild because the guy's so funny. He just put a ballet video out there, but when he gets on the field, he's ready to rumble. And to go head-to-head with the best defensive player in the entire NFL, T.J. Watt, I love that. That's what you need because you also know that these guys are close. It's a close-knit group, so you're not worried about it being combustible like the Earl Thomas situation in Baltimore or some of the other situations we've seen around the league. But TJ and Zach got into it. Benny and Minka got into it. So it looks like these, these lowly uh, backup bubble starter kind of offensive players are getting into it with the defensive player of the year candidates on defense. You love to see it. Benny apparently gave Minka a stiff arm that Minka was not a fan of. I don't know if it was like, I don't know if he was going half speed or something like that, but they got into it. And then Bud Dupree gave up a rep, a reception to Eric Ebron. And then Dupree proceeded to grab a first down marker off of the field and smash it into a wall. This is according to Brooke Pryor from ESPN. And I guess uh, Ebron said, I'm surprised that he didn't absolutely destroy that first down marker. And I love to see the passion because that's a real thing. That, That will carry into the season. It's awesome to see how hungry they are. And, of course, we've seen the reports for weeks from Vance and from everybody else that Ben is vocally more motivated than he's been in years so all of this stuff is good to see what would be really good to have is some instrument that could compare the intensity from camp to camp because it does feel like there's something special going on in Steelers camp this year everybody's coming into camp seemingly maybe if not game ready really close and one person they were talking about in particular is TJ Watt and I I read a couple of people who have Described him as in midseason form. As a little caveat, uh-huh. we're all we are all at the mercy of the four to five reporters they let into practice every day, right. and they themselves keep telling us, "Look, we're here's what the report is. We're only allowed to report so much." So you're getting you're getting very little information other than some obvious things. But TJ has consistently been reported on. Well, that's something that you expect out of TJ Watt, and we've as we followed his career, it's been so interesting. Up until last year, where he was dominant pretty much wall-to-wall, you could separate his career into eight-game chunks. Like, the first eight games of his career, his rookie year, he actually had that interception in the first game, and he played well, but he was very much a rookie. He got some hustle sacks, wasn't beating men off the ball, and, and he was acclimating himself as a young starter. That was fine. But then the last eight games of that season, there was a noticeable uptick. Every once in a while, he would get a a solid job beating his man, an actual one-on-one rep, not a hustle sack. And then the same thing continued into his second season. First eight games, he sort of picked up a little bit higher than where he left off. And by the last eight games, you realize, I think we might be on the verge of the next you know, Steelers beast on defense. And then that's exactly where he started week one last year. So we've talked about how sometimes these great players – 
the media take, unless you're like a star as a rookie on a good team where there's a lot of media coverage, if you're one of those guys like TJ or like Cam Hayward who get better and better every year, it, it takes an extra year for the media to catch up on how much of a stud you are. So I think that that had a big role in why TJ didn't get defensive player of the year last year, even though Chandler Jones and, and Gilmore were, were, were relatively neck and neck in him, with him. It just seemed like TJ had more turnovers than all of those guys and way more big plays and big games where it seemed like he should have gotten the award. I think that it was due a little bit to people still thinking of him, thinking of him as J.J. Watt's younger brother and then really only becoming a dominant player last year. Well, if he picks up this year where he left off, I think that he'll become that true household name that his talent uh, is, is deserving of. Ryan Switzer continues to ride on the zenith of the wave. And I will say I was quite disturbed by the shorts until I started thinking, you know what? I might wear those shorts. I want to be free. I want to be able to move while I'm out there. But he continues to impress. That's the new thing. And he just he wants to be Julian Edelman so badly. He said it in that interview a month ago when he said, I, I've, I want to be one of the best slot receivers in the NFL. I think I can do it. I can be a Julian Edelman. Uh, I don't know if he talked about Crowder or someone else. But uh, there's a lot of videos of Julian Edelman who is – He's a thirst trap professional. I mean, he's got the shirt off and about 80% of his pictures on Instagram, and then the shorts just keep getting higher and higher. I can't lie. So do mine. But that's for, that's for our own time, and that's for the residents of Houston to enjoy. But Edelman, see his shorts hike up. Next thing, turn around. Oh, there goes Switzer. Same thing. Hey, and I'll take it. If you want to be like Edelman... Minus the Patriots part, we could use that. The only the big difference between them two, besides Edelman's explosion, is Edelman is a raging psychopath who is scared of nothing. So we need that from Switzer. But Ryan Switzer's been a big story at camp so far. Uh, it's incredibly annoying. We've talked about it before, how there is a small segment of Steelers Twitter that scapegoats Ryan Switzer as the issues for the offense for 2019 or whatever it is. And that's sort of an oversimplification on my part. I think actually that crowd has some points in terms of how poorly Ryan played last year and how slow he looked. And he would, you know, every punt was a fair catch. Every catch was a one-yard screen where he couldn't make anybody miss. And he just did not look like he belonged last year. But these people are legitimately mean about the guy online and saying, oh, you know, he's taking roster spots from Eli Rogers or someone else just because he's Ben's friend and he sucks. He's terrible. Oh, fair catch king. And I've I just always found that a little bit funny because the first year he was with the Steelers, that was not the case. Like he was much better his first year. He wouldn't house any punt returns because he just doesn't really have the elite end speed to finish off the punt returns. But he'd consistently get 10, 15, 20 yard returns over and over again. After a period of time where the Steelers, you know, tried to replace A.B. back there and they could barely even catch the ball on a fair catch, let alone get 10 or 20 yard returns. So it, it reminded me, you and I have talked about it before. The way Switzer was his first year with the Steelers was sort of like Le'Veon Bell compared to Ezekiel Elliott or compared to Todd Gurley. You know, Le'Veon would have one 20 yard run a year, which was crazy. And Gurley would have 
you know, four 50-yard runs. But I always said I prefer the guy like Le'Veon who's going to get four and a half yards every time he touches the ball and you just matriculate it downfield. That's sort of what Switzer was like on punt returns, let alone he's just a natural punt returner and his ability to catch the ball and and find the crease is good. But he was also much better on third downs and running jerk routes and all those little drags and uh, quick little hitters from the slot. And if he does have that chemistry with Ben, that is important. That isn't nothing. That's how Julian Edelman's career works is his chemistry with, with Tom Brady. Because what you have to understand about slot receivers is a lot of their routes are option-based. So you're not just running five steps and turning around. You're running five steps, and depending on where their defender is, you might break in or out or up the field, and you have to be on the same page as your quarterback to make that happen. So his chemistry with Ben, it's not for nothing. And apparently, at camp, he's been crushing it. I mean, he's in the best shape he's been in for years. Uh, That ankle injury from last year doesn't seem to be bothering him. He's made some massive plays. There was a picture of him completely mossing Mike Hilton in the end zone, jumping uh, over Mike Hilton, grabbing the ball over his head, and uh, making making the play on it. And then when you watch him in the receiver drills, which are some of the only videos we get of the receivers, it is clear that he's one of the best route runners on the team. He really does look like a slot guy. So if that slowness from last year uh, doesn't return, if he has a little bit more quicks, he could still be a valuable player in a stacked Steelers receiving core. Well, speaking of stacked Steelers receiving core, say that three times fast, you got Chase Claypool looking yes. like a moss. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we were talking earlier about how getting a view at Ben is actually, it's helpful. You can glean some things just from seeing Ben throw the football because we're looking at a guy who we've seen him throw for 16, 17 years. And he's coming back from an injury. So we don't exactly need to see him in 11-on-11 yet. We'd like to. But the first thing's first is like, hey, how does he just look throwing the ball around? Does it still have the zip? Does it still have everything on it? I guess Mike Talman made it. We reported on this a couple weeks ago about not having this this spiral on the ball. Uh, Apparently that was a joke. I don't know if Tomlin knows you're supposed to change the inflection and the cadence of your voice when you're doing a joke. uh, Because it sounded, he just said a dead eye with, you know, 45 blinks. Most likely, uh, I'm not seeing that spiral that I'm used to seeing uh, on Ben's ball, but I'm sure he'll get there. Yeah, I guess it was a joke because clearly from all these videos, it's Ben. He's back. He's completely in. Ebron is the other example of this. This is this. I'm not saying it's Julio Jones, but is this Brandon Marshall? Is this uh, Vincent Jackson? He looks like a man among boys. In, in that Steelers receiving court. He is giant. He is fast. He is ripped. But he doesn't look overly big. He doesn't look plodding. And I was thinking something interesting is that there are certain college uniforms that make players, it sort of like distorts their body. And anybody who played football knew this. Whatever youth teams you played on, depending on the uniform, if you got the crap uniforms, it's impossible to look good. And a lot of that honestly has to do with the proportion of the number the number size on the, on the back of the jersey. And Notre Dame doesn't use names on the back. And then their numbers are a little bit small. So sometimes you can't tell, like, how big the guy actually is. Like, even go look at Kelsey's, uh, Travis Kelsey's tape from, 
damn, where was he? Like Arizona State or, or Cincinnati. And his, his jersey is tiny on his body, and it makes him look like he's all shoulder pads. He looks like a total goof. And then you get him in the Kansas City Chiefs uniform, and you realize, oh, this guy is hes a beast. Look at this man. Svelte, fast, but gigantic. And that's what I've been feeling like when I'm seeing these uh, videos of Claypool in a Steelers uniform with, where the numbers are the right damn size. you got the name on the back. And he... He doesn't look like an NFL receiver. He looks like a number one NFL receiver. And I'm just saying that from, you know, his physique. I'm not saying he's going to take the number one job immediately or anything like that. But, man, that draft pick looks like a steal just based on the physicality alone. And then we have been able to see him catch some passes from Ben in the back of the end zone. And his, his coordination, that really stood out to us when we broke him down after the Steelers drafted him. His ability to leap up and catch back shoulder and then tap two feet in bounds, that is Vincent Jackson when he was on the Chargers and on the Buccaneers. That's Brandon Marshall. That's you know a bunch of these bigger guys, even Mike, Michael Thomas, if Michael Thomas was faster. So he just looks like the goods. He looks like the goods. And very excited to see how beastly he looks. Let's, staying, let's stay with that theme and dip our hands into the treasure chest and pull up some coins and talk about somebody you mentioned earlier, Eric Ebron, who came in. Really, the only beef on him is he dropped a couple of balls, but he has been looking like uh, he's been adding to the embarrassment of riches. Yeah, I don't know if Ebron keeps a cell phone in his pads, but every tweet about him from any player or media member he retweets and responds immediately. Like, he is ready to keep track of what people think of him. <laughs> he, it's impossible not to like the guy, though. I'm, I'm poking fun, but it is, it is insane, the amount of social media tweeting he does. His enthusiasm is out of the roof. He's always been a great... I've always known he's a good guy because you see him in some videos here or there. He seems like a great guy and not, not quite a juju, but a similar sort of exuberance. I just hope that he still holds that exuberance when the going gets tough, you know, because sometimes it can feel like... Um, not put on, but sometimes you got to just walk the walk a little bit more instead of talking the talk about how his number one reason for being here is winning. He's tired of losing. I'm tired of losing. I'm sure that's true, man, but, but, but just... At a certain point, you got to pull it back because what's going to happen when the going gets tough here? You want, anyways. It's just it's just funny seeing seeing all that stuff going on because I needed to put that caveat first due to the fact that it's super exciting that he's on the team. I mean, he's a receiving tight end. He's a move tight end. Steelers haven't had that since Ladarius Green for six quarters and like 400 yards when he was on the team. That worked very well. And Ebron's even a much more fluid guy than he is. So, yeah, he's been killing it. He's been making big catches over everybody. He looks as advertised as well. Devin Bush called him, quote-unquote, very elite, which uh, I think that's elitist. That's elite, yeah. Instead of, you know, it's, this, this gas tank is very full. It's 100% of the gas. Well, isn't it just full? No, 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 no. This is very full. This is extra, extra full. But uh, either way, I'm teasing a little bit about Ebron, but it is funny while we're, you know, keeping track of this all week. The man does have some exuberance to him, and hopefully that pays off on the field because that's a fluid man out there catching the ball. I like to see it. 
Well, put on or not, it's great to know we don't have a guy who's going to cause us trouble. We're going to again, we're going to talk about Earl Thomas, but let's keep uh, let's keep going down the roster of guys who are going to catch the ball. James Washington had two red zone touchdowns. I know this is all preseason, but showing his athleticism, and we can't fall asleep on him. There are going to be a lot of guys competing to start. You know, it, it's it's insane. Well, what the Steelers have in this receiving core. It's all unproven to an extent, except for the fact that you can say, you know, a lot is riding on us Steelers fans really believing that Deontay and Washington are both next up in terms of these guys are high-quality Steelers receivers. This isn't Marcus Wheaton, my buddy. I had so much hope for him. It didn't work out for him, though. These guys really look like, yeah, Deontay might be, you know, not the next A.B., but uh, something like that. Somewhere in between him and Juju. I mean, he looks like he can do everything. He's maybe like an Emmanuel Sanders type when he played for the Broncos. And then Washington, it's tough to get a comparison to him. But you just got to say, like, there's there's plenty of reason for the optimism because they showed it last year. The, The opportunities were so limited. But when they got the rare opportunities, they made massive plays. James Washington made huge plays, 50-yard touchdowns, catching the ball in the air over people's heads, catching the ball with one hand, doing all kinds of stuff, and the things that they brought him in here to do. And he seems like the forgotten guy because, yeah, there's not a sex appeal to him as much because he's he's not a, a fast guy. And then you, you got these giants like Ebron and Claypool. And then you have Deontay who everyone, you know, has number one hopes for. And then Juju, you know, Juju still Juju Washington. He's legit. And this discussion that we're having here just shows you there's a weird part of me that thinks this could be one of the best Steelers receiving cores we've seen in years, because even if Switzer's being a, a Switzer is a good player, and Vance is still good. This is like eight guys deep who you can trust all of them. It's pretty ridiculous. So got to root for Washington because he can do some things that the other guys can't do in terms of that high pointing of the ball. Well, hopefully Chase Claypool can as well. Ah, so can so if, Well, we were talking offline about previous Steelers and, and previous rosters. We went back to Mike Wallace, I think. I forget. What, would you, what roster or what year do you think this, this crew is comparable to? Well, the Young Money crew in that roster in those eight and eight years was, was pretty insane. I'm actually blanking on who was behind Wallace, A.B., and Sanders, but they were they underachieved tremendously. And I think that, uh, I mean, obviously not A.B., but Sanders was not as good on the Steelers as he was in the Broncos. For as much crap as he wants to talk about Ben, he had major drop issues and fumble issues. And just maybe that was partially because they didn't use him properly or there just wasn't enough money to go around in terms of getting the ball. But, you know, when it comes to you and you drop it, I can't, what kind of excuse can we give there? But they were pretty great. But I do think back to, like, the Steelers' Super Bowl years when they had Santonio Holmes and Nate Washington and Hines, Antoine Randall mixed in there, where there was some depth behind that, Heath Miller. And that just seemed like those were deep receiving cores. But, of course, I mean... It depends on the metric, right? The, the, the saddest year of our lives, 2017, you had Juju as the number three receiver. That top-end talent, I think, is much better than the Young Money crew when you had A.B. Martavis and, uh, and Juju, and then Le'Veon Bell as a back. So it's hard to beat the Killer B era, but this, and there is no A.B. right now, 
but damn, they are they are deep. And these guys, it's not it's not like Patriots deep from their Super Bowls where it's like there's no star here. There's just a bunch of solid guys. No, there might be some stars in here as well. And the Steelers receiving train just keeps rolling. So before we drop, uh, jump onto the other side of the ball, I read some stories about the other Zach on the team, Zach Gentry. He um, so the big play of the night for him was a a bad pass from Duck that hit Ulysses Gilbert in the back, but Gentry managed to huh. pin the ball against Gilbert's back and pull it up and pull the ball in. So uh, it's a mixed bag. I mean, he was basically a number last year, made the team somehow, uh, couldn't block, didn't play couldn't a whole catch. lot. Couldn't, couldn't catch, but definitely zero point uh, zero. <laughs> but definitely an uptick reported this year. Well, it's been a mixed bag because there's some videos that, uh, of him out there running routes, and it legitimately makes you shocked that he's in the NFL. And maybe uh, maybe we need routes. Maybe we need a video of Matt Spath running routes back in the day because I feel like his might have been equally gross. But the thing about Matt Spath was. He could destroy people. And maybe if we were on the field, we could tell uh, why Zach Gentry is, is on the team because I'm sure he would tower above us in a terrifying way. But, yeah, he, he is just a wild uh, – he is a project to me because the, the, the shots of him running routes, they're brutal and drops and stuff like that. So that's great to hear that he had a big catch. Definitely needed that. There's a couple other – a couple other players who have had notice, notable, notable camps. Anthony McFarlane, the running back out of Maryland, very excited about him. Possibly the heir to Connor, or possibly the guy who sort of shares the load with Connor. He apparently has been as advertised. Tomlin's been giving him a bigger piece of the pie every single day. Put them in against, uh, I think he did some big uh, work in backs on backers against Vince Williams. Vinny, Vinny took him down, which is good because we need our starting male linebacker taking down the rookies. But apparently he's been playing very well. He's had some huge plays. There was a screen pass that he cut all the way across the field for a massive gain. And that is just very exciting and something to keep our eye on because that running back room might look a lot better now than it did before the draft. The other one that we'd talk about would be Mason Rudolph saying that he still thinks he can be a starting NFL quarterback. So this is the obligatory statement that every bust has <laughs> the couple years in, whether it's Blaine Gabbert or Blake Bortles or whoever it is. I still can be a starter in this league. And that is the um, that is the attitude you need to have. And I've made my opinion abundantly known. On this podcast, I do not think that the guy is an NFL starter. It's not a, and some people get confused when you look at these things. Like, oh, you just, you don't. He was, uh, he was only a second year. He can get better. Blah blah blah. Yeah, of course. And I actually expect that he'll get better. And he had moments where he did some good things, especially in that Jets game. He said that Jets game at the end of the year was actually very big for him because it got his confidence back before he went into the offseason and watched every single one of his reps and got feedback from inside and outside of the organization. Uh, so it's great to see how serious he takes it. We know that about him. My issue with him is, like, you can't fix arm strength. And you can, and if you don't have the arm strength, because the man has no zip on the ball. You guys, when he throws the moon balls 50 yards in the air, that's not arm strength. There's a lot of guys who can do that. It's the zip on the ball that he doesn't have, which is worrisome. And then on top of that, you can't fix foot speed. He's a, he's a statue in the pocket. You can get slightly better, but... Any time that he can't get his legs underneath of him, 
he doesn't have the arm strength to push the ball in between into the window. So you're just so limited in what you can do with this guy. So I don't think that he's a uh, a starting quarterback ever, but maybe he can be the next maybe he can be the next Charlie Batch or something or you know, God forbid if he has to play, maybe he's better than he was last year and the, and the Steelers' great defense and great supporting cast on offense is able to survive with him. And, and I think that that would be the hope for him. I definitely don't have anything against the guy. I actually feel for him. Like the whole Miles Garrett incident and, the, and just the fact that, you know, he gets hated on because he didn't play well. <laughs> it's tough. So I do root for the guy in that sense. But as a Steelers fan, I don't want them to, to tie themselves to that you know, sinking boat, and I don't think they are, but he has not played that great during training camp. He's thrown a bunch of picks, but apparently it's still, he still had an uptick on, on apparently the, last, the most recent day of practice, he played much better. So that's good to hear. The other thing that's good to hear are some of these guys you never expect to hear from, and that is Marcus Allen. Marco Boli described him as being dominant in the last, uh, in, during training camp. Especially on the backs on backers, Joe. Yeah, I think he was talking more about it in that context, not like totally on defense or on the field. But that backs on backers drill, it's interesting. He's supposed to be a safety. He's sort of a safety linebacker hybrid, or that's the way they're going to use him. And he's in there and backs on backers. That's really more for, you know, big boys. So that's impressive. And that's the only way that he's going to be able to make an impact because we know the guy doesn't have any ball skills or anything like that. But in terms of hitting and uh, power, that's his game. So it's nice to see that he's getting more comfortable at the NFL level and he can flex that a little bit. So definitely something to keep an eye on. If he can progress slowly, that would be huge for the Steelers because that safety depth is still a massive concern. Well, I think the way the defense is, is shaping up, we're going to be able to shave some points off the points against average in the upcoming season. Well, it is important to shave off some of those points on the points against average for any defense, just as it is important to shave off any unnecessary foliage down below, man. Manscaped is here to help you when it comes to that. Listen, be a man. Don't be a caveman because cavemen don't have girlfriends. They have woolly mammoths, and that's not where you want to be. Manscaped has precision tools for your family jewels. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 has been beautifully designed to reduce those painful nicks and tugs when you are uh, shaping the shrubbery down below. This is their third generation trimmer. Features advanced skin safe technology so you keep your bad boys nice and smooth. Oh yeah. They got an engineering team that obsesses over technological developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. They spend 18 months perfecting this bad boy and this is premium. I'm telling you guys, use this myself. Water-resistant technology lets you shave in the shower. You know, come on. Have some self-respect, damn it. Get 20% off free shipping when you use the code armchair at manscaped.com. Hey, look, when I introduced this commercial, I said something about shaving points. I do not want to imply that there's any lack of integrity in the game. It's still going to be safe to bet. It is going to be safe to bet. and You should go ahead and bet at betonline.ag. That is our online sportsbook partner at the Steelers Outpost Podcast. And they got no shortage of action. I'm taking the Steelers by 68 against the Giants. It's going down. Oh, it's going to be ugly. And I'm going to do it at betonline.ag because they have the best odds and the best lines for the upcoming games and matches. And if you need more, 
They've got simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day for our devout gamblers to check out. BetOnline also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, ching your online wagering experts. Mike Tomlin likes the competitive spirit of camp. You know, we do listen to his interviews because that's our job. That's right. But let's face it, he gives you next to nothing. So we sit here and we try to look between the cracks and interpret what he's saying. But, you know, he likes the competitive spirit. He makes no apologies for contact, i.e. backs on backers. And he's not just putting the last guys on the bench out there. He's putting Connor against Bush multiple times. Yeah, iron sharpens iron, or in this case, steel sharpens steel. And, yeah, there's no surprise here. I mean, he's been a coach for over a decade, and this is how he runs training camp. Nothing's changing. It's nice to hear him vocalize that in front of a group of people. Also, I think we agree as Steelers fans, we don't want him giving away too many trade secrets. I know there was a video yesterday, or the other day, that the Buffalo Bills posted of, I think, like John Brown or Stephon Diggs running a complicated route to get in the end zone. It was like a weird little out thing. And Stephon Gilmore, the star uh, defensive player of the year, cornerback for the Patriots and Bills rival, reposted that. He retweeted that video and said, thanks for showing me what they're trying to do on offense. And, of course, listen, there's, been, there's a bunch of different routes. And when you're talking about Stephon Diggs as a receiver – he might have a million different routes, so he'll be okay. But it is funny to say, hey, people are looking for the advantages wherever they can get them. Sometimes, in the Patriots' case, they're looking for an advantage through a camera lens, which they have placed uh, secretly in other teams' facilities. So you got to watch out. So it's good that Tomlin is keeping a lid on this, but this is how he runs his camp. It's tough, it's competitive, and this is why the Steelers are a good team. And it's just going to be... I guess he did say some things about COVID, about how talking like, you know, we can't fail in that regard. And, and like, this is going to – lots of coaches, of course, have talked about how they need to not only beat the teams on their schedule, but they need to beat their own self-discipline or lack thereof by making sure that COVID doesn't become a factor there. So it's good to hear him talk about that. I'm just curious to see what's it going to look like week one because the past few years, it has been brutal. I mean, the Steelers squeaking out a tie against the the Browns, we turned the ball over like five times. You know, Ben always being rusty. And now you have this year coming in without playing any year with the new receiving core. So curious to see how it happens. And it all starts here in training camp. And a little bit more of Mike at the podium coming up uh, in the coming weeks. And all we can hope for is some more Tomlinisms because that's basically the reason to watch these things. Well, he did describe Devin Bush. When asked about Devin Bush, he said he's checking all the boxes, but he wants to see more communication out of the on-field defensive quarterback I don't know that's that's breaking news I mean he's a second year guy and you would expect like physically he seemed to be as Mike said checking all the boxes but communication is well, important it is interesting to, it is interesting to hear that because it's almost like you could perceive that as oh crap is he calling out a weakness of one of the star players and now the Ravens and the Browns can target this weakness okay Bush isn't good in communication well no of course not because he wouldn't put that information out there I think it's a motivational technique. It's a call to arms for like, hey, Bush, he's proceeding at the right pace, but we expect this guy to be Ryan Shea's ear. You know? Hard to compare him to such a stud like that, but that's what he's brought in here to do. And it's a public call to arms, and hopefully 
Devin Bush doesn't whine, cry, demand a trade, freeze his feet in a cryotherapy chamber and go insane as a result. So the Steelers have brought in running back Wendell Smallwood, safety Curtis Riley, wide receiver Ray Ray McLeod, and tight end Kyle Markway. And he was at, so Tomlin was asked, what's up? What's with bringing in all these new veterans? And he's saying that he wants to increase the level of competition during camp. You think that's, I mean, yeah. obviously he thinks it's necessary. Yeah, love to hear it. He's right. Uh, let's look. Well, first off, tight end, we know we need to, we need to keep working to find more tight ends. The Steelers got a great starting two, and then, like we said before, we don't know what's up next. Ray Ray McLeod, that's wide receiver. They don't really need a lot of receivers. But when you come across a guy named Ray Ray McLeod, you pay him. You pick him up. You find a way to put him on the field and see what he can do because that is the best name in the NFL. I think that that's it. There's no better name. There was the pit linebacker. was called H.B. Blades, and – you know, I don't know how long he played or if he played for Washington or ever even had a stint with Pittsburgh in training camp or something like that. But Ray Ray McLeod is the new king. Obviously, Curtis Riley uh, figures to make the team and be a part of it. Uh, and Smallwood, hey, that running back room needs more competition. I love it because who knows how those carries are going to get divided. I mean, the, the competition between Snell and McFarland is fascinating. And can, and can anybody take these carries off of Connor? We'll see what's up. Um, but... Also, you just got to think this is COVID-proofing a little bit as well. Like, hey, in case we you know, lose some guys, we'd like to have veteran players in here who can pick things up quickly. So I bet you that's a part of uh, what he's doing. Since you were picking on, not picking on, but picking out players from Pitt, what about Quadri Henderson? We did grab him. Damn I don't it. think he's around anymore. Ah, he was Always beast. wanted to see him. Demarcus Ayers, do you remember him? I love that guy from Houston. He had some nice plays. In the, he had some catches in the playoffs or some catches against the Patriots or something like that. Great punt returner, great open field guy. I never understood why the Steelers let him go. He's not. He doesn't have a job right now. He's tweeting at the Steelers for them to sign him. He said that he's better than Switzer, so we add him to the list of people uh, who's motivating Switzer to a big season. But I kind of did feel like, oh, DeMarcus Sayers was pretty sick. There just must be something we don't know about because they had no problem letting him go. You mentioned injuries before. We've been pretty fortunate. Some of the injuries have been uh, just, I guess, the the dings and dongs. Uh, of. I don't, I don't think there's been any dong issues, but it's the bumps and bruises associated with our profession, I believe. Is the <laughs> I phrase. can't remember that. So Deontay Johnson, um, one of the Edmonds. He said T. Edmonds. Which one? Damn it. That, the, 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 the guy in the Bills? <laughs> Terrell. Tremaine? Not T-E-E. <laughs> um, Chris Wormley's working himself back in, as, and as is James Washington, who yeah. we mentioned earlier. So as you pointed out earlier in the show, thank goodness for small miracles yeah. and small injuries. Yep, and let's just hold out hope that we get the Cam Hayward contract news sometime within the next couple of weeks. I would be just shocked if they didn't get that done, but still waiting on that. Hey, so you mentioned this several times. We mentioned Earl Thomas during the show, and he came up several episodes again when we were trying to rate Minka Fitzpatrick. Anyway, he finds himself out of a job. Yeah, apparently this seems like a lot to do over a little, but... Obviously, we're not getting the full story here. I think he's gotten to two big arguments with 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 prominent players on the Ravens organization, uh, but especially one recently. And I, I have to look up about who it actually uh, who who the altercation was with. It might have been Williams, but either way, the Ravens 
they're releasing releasing him because he's annoying. And honestly, he's one of the best, best safeties of all time, but he's a little crazy. It's probably what makes him one of the best safeties of all time. I feel like the entire world glossed over the threesome he had with his brother earlier this season. Just the incest just trickled right on past the news story. There were bigger things going on in the world, I think. But uh, that's the vibe I got. That uh, should have been a red flag at that point. Surprised he made it all the way this far into camp. But apparently he got into some altercations. He's a big personality type of guy. He speaks his mind. He is very intense. Got in some fights with some Ravens players. And they paid him $22 million for one year as a Raven. And now they're going to basically try to get uh, the $10 million they owe him for this year off the book somehow. So we'll see what happens. I think they're releasing him. They say he'll be traded or released by the end of the day. Obviously, the Cowboys are the big team that's rumored to get him. They were uh, – he when he was playing for the Seattle Seahawks, he yelled for the Cowboys to come get him and then even admitted it in the press conference after. He went to Texas, University of Texas, so he's a Texas guy. And obviously he fits perfectly with what the Cowboys do. We were talking about team identities and how the Steelers have this tough thing that they've had forever. Well, the Cowboys have the flash thing. And that will be – in recent years they've had the, uh, the, uh, the incident guys kind of thing going for them as well. So we'll see what happens. But either way, it's nice for the Steelers not to be at the center of this player drama in the AFC North for once. And honestly, even though – Earl Thomas isn't the safety that he once was. I had tweeted this out earlier. He's still a good player. And then as a safety, he's a critical communicator in the secondary there, which is absolutely loaded for the Ravens. So that loss, it doesn't cripple them. We've talked about the Ravens a lot this offseason. They have so much depth. They could lose a bunch of guys and still be good. But it makes a difference. And it does even the playing field just a little bit for the Steelers. So... Score one for the good guys. You know what I'm thinking? Yeah, we sign him. Let's do it. He, the Ravens have a $15 million dead cap hit wrapped around their neck with this guy. Looking to trade him and could probably get him for a song. Let's do it. Screw it. Visit the website www.steelersoutpost.com Check us out on Instagram at Steelers Outpost. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.